good afternoon, or, well, I guess I should just say good af- or good day, no matter when or where you're listening. Um, I'm, it's afternoon as I'm recording this podcast, and it is a nice sunny day for a change. And so the sun kind of got me in a creative mood, the creative juices flowing, and here we are in front of, in front of my microphone chatting with you. So if you follow the little the little ditties I do on my blog and on Instagram and Facebook um, called Daily DS, where it's just a quick quick little question, and then if you are so inclined, you can join the discussion. Um, but earlier this week, one of the little Daily DSs was the question was, how did you get your start in DS? And for me, I'll answer the question here just in case um, those of you listening haven't uh, seen or listened to it. Um, it all started when I had a craving for Taco Bell, of all things. Um, it would have been year two of my college experience, and I thought I knew exactly where Taco Bell was. And <clears throat> boy, was I wrong. I got myself lost, and... In the process of getting lost, it was the kind of lost where you think you're taking a new path every time you realize you're lost and you're changing your route, and you keep going by the same landmark. It keeps jumping out at you. And so, for me, that landmark was an adult bookstore. Now, I guess we need to preface this by how naive I was um, when I saw adult bookstore I thought, oh, it's a bookstore that probably has more uh, fantasy, some erotic books, maybe a large porn magazine area, but it's a bookstore um, like Barnes & Noble, just minus the children's section and probably a little heavier on erotic fiction, erotic novels, and, you know, as I said before, the adult magazine category. Um, so I'm lost, I'm looking for Taco Bell, and I keep going by this adult bookstore. And part of my challenge to myself when I went off to school was to interact and to have as many experiences that were out of the norm for me. And by norm, I was raised in a um, smallish, I guess, for me it's a small town, Um, for some people it would be a a larger sized town, but it's very conservative. Um, you know, there isn't anything adult orientated here other than plenty of bars, um, which is also kind of ironic that for a conservative area, it's filled with bars. But, you know, there wasn't even a nudie bar or a strip club or a gentleman's club, however you um, want to classify those fine establishments. There was not even one of those because it was deemed naughty and against the law, still is, Um, and so I'm lost, and I keep going by this adult bookstore, so finally I'm like, you know what, you know, I'm gonna take myself up on on the challenge for, you know, outside-of-the-box living, so I pull into the adult bookstore and go in, and remember, I'm thinking this is just a, um, you know, uh, Barnes & Noble with, um, um, you know, a hefty selection of adult fiction and adult magazines. 
Um, the fact that it was in a complex with a gentleman's club, um, a.k.a. strip club, and an adult theater. And by the way, I was thinking adult theater in my mind. I was not thinking. I was thinking, yeah, they maybe have a, like, um, oh, movies that are rated, what is it now called, NC-17. Um, they probably show those in rated R movies. I didn't realize they were dedicated to um, showing porn movies. Um, so, yeah, all of this didn't didn't ring any bells or sound any alarms in my head. So I walk into the bookstore, and wow, um, mind-blowing experience. Um, you know, there was a stripper um, from the um, club that was talking to the clerk, um, dressed as they had just come off stage and so it was like oh my god wow um haven't seen anything like that before in my life and it was yeah it was all adult orientated toys magazines movies and as i walked around the store um you know mind completely blown um i came towards the back left of the store where it was all ds and bdsm stuff and by stuff, I don't mean like toys. There weren't like whips and chains and, and paraphernalia like that um, on display that was all up front by the counter. I'd imagine that was probably a high theft item. Um, but uh, it was tons of, of magazines, of course. And I am guessing that the community my college was located in um, has a lot of men who have fantasies about being submissive to a female dominant because there was a whole host of of um, magazines along that genre which you know didn't trip my trigger but was fascinating that there was so many or one as i would use my favorite college word plethora of them um and then i found the more i guess you could say educational side of of the uh of the lifestyle section where there were uh, coffee table books on intricate rope, um, slave position books, um, and books that you might not at the time have found in a um, traditional bookstore like The Story of O. Um, and the name's escaping me, but... Um, um, I do believe they were the novels by the author that we now know as know as Anne Rice, but those her those first, I guess, erotic works were under a different pen name. Um, but it was all sorts of stuff like that, um, rather than the uh, I don't know the right word sleazy magazines um, style. So that was fascinating, and since it was college, and since I had a weird payday of Tuesday. I was not, uh, not, uh, and this was a Sunday night. Obviously, I was not, uh, not rolling in the dough, so there were no purchases made. But mental note to come back Tuesday after, after getting paid to, um, to pick up a couple of books because it just really, like, it called to me. So that's that's the place. And the first exposure that I had to DS that led me down to this this rabbit hole, um, and so when I recorded that that daily DS, I got thinking about how other people come to discover 
you know, everything everything lifestyle related and I started to look more and more into this and, and doing some doing some actual a little bit of research, which appeals to the uh, to the, the nerd in me. So let's take a quick break, do a word from uh, the podcast sponsor, and then we will we will get back and talk about how how people come to come to the lifestyle. All right, welcome back, and thank you for listening to that uh, that message. Um, so, the first little bit that was was surprising to me was the um, as I researched this was the amount of a role that sex or lack of sex um, applies to people coming to explore DS. As, as we know sex or excuse me the lifestyle is not about sex kinky sex is not the lifestyle they do pair nicely together but many people practice the lifestyle uh without any kinky bow chicka wow wow and so i was curious and and going through um some research that the folks at the kinsey institute has have done uh, that um people's view on the lifestyle and sex um, tends to tends to change over time as they experience as they experience the lifestyle. When people who are brand new to the lifestyle, um, pretty much eighty percent of of those who have have responded to these various surveys and questionnaires and conversations, uh, however it is that they they get their research, um, about eighty percent um, find that that sex and kinky sex is part of the part of what excites them about ds um but there's a good chunk there i mean if, if you think about it one in one in five people who are who are coming to explore ds aren't coming with any desire or need for the um the you know the kinky delights um, of the lifestyle. They're they're coming for other reasons, and then um, as there are people that have you know experienced the lifestyle a little bit, have been around it for a year or two, um, and and now thirty percent of those people are are saying you know it's you know the sex isn't isn't a driver for them, and then when you talk again to people who have been around the lifestyle even a little bit longer. And, and now we're to a point where it's just a little bit over over half the people um, are are still uh, having that uh, the kinktasticness of um, of sexual fun um, being a driver for them. So it's interesting how as people start to experience and learn about the lifestyle, the 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 sexual component of it. Is less and less important for them, or less of a um, less of a driver. And another thing that's that's interesting is that is is when you look at the ages of people coming coming to DS. Um, obviously, there is typically a lot more um, people in their twenties and thirties coming to explore for the first time than say people in their forties and fifties or older. Um, and there's some of the <clears throat> the research out there. It's it's very conf- kind of conflicting on this. Some researchers will say it's um, it's because 
when people are in their 20s and 30s, they're younger, they are, you know, more open to exploring and trying new things where people who are older are set in their ways. And then other people um, disagree with that because one of the one of the fascinating things about people, sex and their in their fantasies um, as they age is that um, as people age, um, at least the people you know people now, um, fantasies and experimentation with non-monogamy is actually higher in people who are older in that forty to fifty range than than people who are younger and so it's it's kind of fascinating that open relationships uh poly relationships um even you know just uh sexual uh openness like a swinging type relationship are much more people who are older tend to fantasize about it and also act on those fantasies more than more than, more than young people, and and that these fantasies typically increase as people age. Now, is it because they've been married for twenty years and want to see if the grass is greener on the other side? There's really no, unfortunately, no conclusions as to to why this is. But if you've been around the lifestyle for a while, one of the wonderful things is that. Um, when I, you know, was first exploring the lifestyle and 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 learning what an adult bookstore was, um, and adult movie theaters and a gentleman's club, all those wonderful new things, um, it was um, um, the lifestyle was was different then. Um, the lifestyle was not um, linked to sex as it is now. It was very interesting because if there were gatherings or play parties um, back then they were not sex positive as many are now um, and by that I mean um, in those days if you had a um, BDSM play party where people would engage in in lifestyle activities um, kind of casually but in a very in a safer environment much safer than just meeting up with somebody um, you know kind of more as a stranger you're in a controlled environment um, for for safety's sake, really, and their lifestyle play would happen, but there would be no sex. It was it was forgiven or forbidden, excuse me, forbidden to have um, sexual intercourse, um, even sexual touching, oral sex, all of that. Nope, 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 nope. And it was almost like it kind of like the don't ask, don't tell policy that the U.S. military had has. I'm not sure on the current status of what it is. Um, but it was ridiculous in a way because you could do everything up to sex, but you couldn't have sex. And at the same time, if you looked at the more, I guess we'll say open lifestyle folks then, um, like swingers or even folks who were, were experimenting with poly, um, it was very that was more of a sexual driven um lifestyle and the lifestyle community and the sexually open community they they were kind of head they would headbutt like they they didn't they didn't coexist well um you know the 
the swingers thought the lifestyle of the BDSMers were were weird and crazy, and you know the BDSM people didn't um, think highly of swingers. They thought their relationships were all failures because they were not being monogamous in a way. They were, you know, it was very condescending to those folks. It was condescending on both sides, and it was really weird because they were two different. They were lifestyles that seemingly kind of often would go hand in hand, but yet we're, we're bumping heads. And now we're at a place where the, the non-monogamous swinging open sexual lifestyle people and the BDSM people, we really coexist. Um, Swingers um, groups now have, you know, BDSM, um, you know subgroups and components um, those types of clubs often even have you know BDSM playrooms and um, you know there are BDSM groups that that have munches in uh, you know swingers clubs swingers friendly bars it's it's very much a um, um, kind of a union that has happened so it's not surprising then what, that we're seeing in the lifestyle more and more people who are in their 40s, 50s, and even older um, discovering and coming to the lifestyle because the fantasies that, that the, all this reporting is showing happens with people in their 40s and 50s, um, the, the fantasies are now getting linked to DS because the rather than kind of being competing competing lifestyles if you will they're now complementary lifestyles so we're seeing more and more people of all ages coming to explore the lifestyle rather than just um an influx of of younger younger folks coming in and another thing that all this this research has shown and it's once again not surprising um but it is a myth that um, people who practice bdsm or ds um, somehow their relationships are, are broken or, or they have um, flawed relationships because of the lifestyle. And you even find some, some therapists who feel that way. Um, that's why it's important that if, if you are going to, to see a therapist and the lifestyle is something that's a part of you, um, you, you should try and find one perhaps that is, that is lifestyle-friendly or embraces the lifestyle. And it's really an easy find. I know it sounds probably like a needle in the haystack, but um, the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, um, if you just Google that, it'll bring up their website, and you can find providers um, that are that are lifestyle friendly, which is fantastic. And a couple of couple of clicks away, and and you can have that. So it's, it's actually the research is showing that, that people who practice the lifestyle, no surprise for those of us who have been here for a while, um, actually have happiness in their relationships. They're happy. They're well-adjusted. They're well-rounded. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm, I'm saying wrong in air quotes um, for having the lifestyle be a part of, of their life. Um, another thing that's that's fascinating, but once again, no surprise, the study reports that you know people who practice the lifestyle, they have better sex. Imagine that. Um, 
you know, it's 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 funny. They found that people who are involved in the lifestyle two to three times are, are having better sex than their, you know, reporting that their sexual, their sex life is, is better than, than vanillas by two to three times. And I think that's, that, I mean, that's just simply a part of being more in touch with who you are as a person and perhaps not keeping fantasies or kind of, I don't know, things you want to try kind of locked away in a closet. You're just much more open. Um, and another thing that they've they found about DS through all this research is, and once again, I don't think any of us listening are surprised, um, but that consent is such a huge priority and a huge concern in the lifestyle that it it really, in a way, while the lifestyle still has its dangers and still has its dangerous people and it has its twat waffles and and trolls and, and bad seeds, just like any group of people, but that overall, because of the, the focus on consent and ascertaining, getting, keeping, and everything that goes along with consent, is that, um, you know, it, um, it breeds to a, or it leads to a safer, uh, safer environment. Uh, and another amazing thing is that, um, um, Women who are involved in the lifestyle, um, which is probably not surprising, but find that um, they typically, and this is typically, there are exceptions to every rule, so please don't take this as fact because it definitely isn't, but typically women who practice the lifestyle are able to enjoy orgasm more often or more than their vanilla counterparts and are less likely to have issues with achieving orgasm compared to um, their vanillas. So, you know, our our vanilla peers. So that was kind of of interesting bit on on the research. Um, Getting back now into why people come to the lifestyle, what it is that draws them, um, the the biggest thing that, that is kind of a general overview or a general draw is is the power exchange the either leading or being led by a partner or partners and with that power exchange though that does prioritize the importance of trust you have to be able to trust the person that you're leading or being led by um, and also uh, their DS promotes boundaries um, with, you know, as far as consent, you have consent to do X, Y, and Z, but you don't have consent for A, B, and C. The boundaries are well, well defined, um, where the lifestyle fits and where it doesn't fit in each partnership, um, which is a draw. And also the, um, I guess, the heightened consciousness or or I don't know, maybe it's, it's finding that um, um, mythical, it's not really mythical because it happens, um, subspace or dom space or that altered, altered, I guess, rather than our daily, our daily mindset that we're in. But when we have lifestyle play, it is not only physically releasing, it is very much a mental, mental release or mental floss. Um, as well so that's 
that's an important draw as people start to explore and they start to learn is is all of that. And there is, of course, um, people who are fascinated um, by either the giving or receiving of pain. Um, I'm not saying that everybody involved in DS is into receiving or giving pain because that's obviously not the case. But for those who are, um, they, you know, as they research and, and start to learn about DS, it is something that is very intriguing. And one of the respondents said, uh, made a comment about um, they never realized that there was good pain versus bad pain. And when they were asked to explain that, um, they explained that for them, um, good pain was receiving a spanking, that it, it not only did things to their mental state, but physically it was very, um, very rewarding. And they equated bad pain um, would be like smashing your funny bone, which there's, if you've done that before, you know it is not, there's nothing funny about it. So it's um, interesting that, that people who are newer and exploring that have a draw to the, um, the, the pain side of things come and quickly see that, that there's, you know, good, you know, good pain, uh, the result of playing with a, a good and trusted partner and, you know, the bad pain of smashing your elbow. Um, now we're going to, now I'm going to kind of try and shift gears and uh, try and get a little more, a little more specific on, on some of the drivers that bring people to lifestyle. Obviously, this isn't going to cover everyone or not everyone to a T because we're all we're all different. And the reason why we discover, explore, and, and learn things, especially with DS, are all different. So as we talk about this, you may think, oh, yeah, I really identify with that. <clears throat> and I don't identify with that over there. But, you know, you put this and that together, and that really kind of sums me up. So the reason why this is important is oftentimes when you are new and exploring DS, you can feel alone in a way. It can seem so foreign, and you think that you are like a singular grain of sand on some super sandy beach in some beautiful tropical location that you're just, <clears throat> that you're alone and that you're, you're very alone, I guess is, is the best way to say it. You're very alone in exploring and, and the th fact is that you're, you're not alone. So hopefully that will come through as we, we talk through some of the reasons why people choose to explore DS. Um, there are people, and I would put myself in this category who once they discover that this lifestyle is there, it's like a sense of coming home, that the lifestyle was inside them somehow even from an early age. And um, they couldn't explain it. They didn't know what it was, what it was called. But it was there and it was inside them. Um, I guess an example of this would be um, perhaps as a child um, you enjoyed being tied up playing, you know, um, cops and robbers it would be the, the, the childhood kind of game. You know, you enjoyed either being the, uh, you know, the police officer doing the arresting and, you know, 
the tying up of the of the naughty person or the the naughty you know the baddie being uh, being tied up by the uh, by the you know the other person those sort of things flow into our adulthood and then once we discover the lifestyle it's like oh my goodness this all sort of makes sense now and then there's another another group who come to ds later in life you know people in their 40s and 50s and a lot of these people feel like it was something that they were always into and even as they they journeyed into adulthood they felt it was there but because vanilla society judges us kinky people they let's face it they do judge us and that's why you know on the internet there it's easy to explore the lifestyle and, and keep your anonymity and a lot of the people who are coming to the lifestyle you know a little bit later in life felt that this was part of them but they they denied it and they hid it away because they didn't want anyone to know because they felt that these desires were were wrong or something was wrong with them for feeling this way and perhaps it's you know they have these desires and then people get married and have kids and and all the expectations that come with being a parent and having a career and it isn't perhaps until the kids are out of the house and grown and off doing off doing whatever it is that they're going to do that they they allow themselves to kind of come back and start exploring again so you see a lot of people who are new to ds but a lot of those people who are older and i would put myself into the older category now unfortunately i still feel that i'm 25 but i'm not but a lot of the the peer group of of dominance and and submissives that are you know my age or around my age are people who have come to it excuse me later in life and a lot of that was because they put it away on a shelf to focus on life and now they're at a place where they can invest in themselves and are and are coming coming to the lifestyle um and another area that's that's fairly fairly common and it's i think it's a misconception that people have that especially vanilla people that if you're involved in ds or bdsm that somehow you are coming to the lifestyle because of a past trauma that you had and that um, the lifestyle is some sort of therapy that you're giving yourself or you're trying to heal by coming to the lifestyle and there are people who um, who do come to the lifestyle because of this and and do find that the lifestyle helps with deal with their trauma um some you know some quick examples of this would be somebody who was sexually abused during their childhood um and oftentimes that manifests itself in the lifestyle is that abuse kind of creates a submissive mentality in a way for that person as they they process through it so it that creates a draw for the lifestyle um, another area would be um, goes out to uh, people that enjoy spanking um, either on on either side um, I don't think this necessarily applies to me because I can't 
as an adult looking back at my childhood, I can never remember being spanked, but I enjoy spanking. So maybe somehow something in my childhood that I can't remember that's repressed is there. Who knows? Where's Freud when you need him? Um, but there are people that were spanked as children that learned to like it or in a way craving craving being spanked because being spanked showed that they were cared for and that they were loved. So that manifests into coming to the lifestyle because it it clicks with with that background. And you know, another area where where somehow um um are are people that enjoyed like I said, you know, enjoyed being being tied up, um, like playing cowboy and enjoying being the one tied up or doing the doing the tying. And then as an adult that carries over and and the discovery of, of rope bondage is very appealing. Um, another area that's also very common is as we grow, we, we date, and we date interesting people. Not always interesting in the best way, but everybody we date is a, is a lesson for us. They either teach us great things or, you know, they, they teach us things to not repeat in the future. But in the course of getting to know other people and in our relationships, we can meet a partner who is into the lifestyle, and we're not. We don't even know that lifestyle exists. And this partner introduces us to the lifestyle. And while maybe that partnership, unfortunately, doesn't last, the interest in DS is triggered and, and they come to the lifestyle that way. Um, and then a quick thought here is one of the more common questions that I hear is, and it all depends, there's, there's no percentage greater than one or the other, but somebody will be dating a partner and they'll say, you know, my, my partner is amazing. I just wish they would be dominant or they would be submissive. How can I teach them that? And I don't know if there's a way you could teach somebody to, yes, you can teach somebody how to be dominant in the bedroom or dominant during play or submissive in the bedroom or submissive in play. You can share and act out those fantasies and their roles but if it's not something that's truly in them, I don't believe it's going to carry over into the daily part of the relationship. It's going to be something that is just going to be be done in a playful role play type scenario. Um, so yes, by all means, if you have an amazing partner and you're curious about DS, you know, introduce a little a little DS or conversations about it and engage their interest and see where it goes. You, you never know. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you, you click with a partner. And even though maybe it's something you haven't discussed, they haven't discussed, um, if there's a click, it's very possible that, that those underlying things that you haven't talked about that you're just exploring, they, they may feel them, feel them as well. Um, another way that people discover DS and find that it really draws them are, are people who have to cope with a painful chronic illness. Um, a common example of this would be somebody who maybe has uh, fibromyalgia and 
somehow BDSM and the 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 play pain side somehow really helps them to I, I guess the word would be cope cope or handle handle their their illness and their challenge challenge better if I, you know it's able to be a release for them and they as they discovered yes they find that that it helps them it helps them with their their daily the daily challenges that their their condition presents them um, another area that that I really hadn't thought about and I do want to just um, just mention if you're on Instagram um, this is where like the light bulb went on in my head um, there is a um, I don't know what the proper term is on Instagram blogger perhaps um, but uh, they go by the title of presiding presiding priestess and they are amazingly open about the past that they've gone through and their past is one where they were in what you would call a high demand religion and even though that as they hit adulthood they learned that the religion and all its demands and everything else didn't work for them and obviously stepped away and stepped way away from that religion um it really helped in a way bring them to the lifestyle and you know the more i thought about it high demand religion can doesn't necessarily have to be something that's perhaps just throw the example of very very evangelical or very very intense it all de- really depends on the person i mean even even a mainline protestant background could be considered high demand depending on perhaps with your childhood how how hard it was pushed upon you or maybe how hard you pushed back or how deeply you went into the lifestyle or into the religion and how you put the demands of the religion on yourself so really i think any faith can be become high demand depending on the person but um yeah it was something that i hadn't really considered but it was a really eye-opening experience to to read their post and and to see that yeah yeah this makes this makes sense so those are pretty much the the main ways that people kind of come to the lifestyle so it you know it does seem to start with with some some sexual interest not always but in the beginning, there's a higher percentage of, of people that, that come with a uh, <clears throat> um, uh, sexual overtones to things. Um, and I think, well, I don't think I know this. You can just, and, and you, can, you can bear this out and, and do this with me, but, um, or do it on your own, I guess. Kind of a homework assignment, if you will. Uh, go ahead and, and click on whatever, whatever sites you're on. Uh, whether it's fabulous fat life or maybe it's just Instagram and Facebook or Twitter, standard social media. Maybe it's maybe you're a blogger or you follow blogs. You'll see that um, that um, people who are newer to DS will typically have more sexualized content than people who are more shall we say veterans um and i think that just goes to the the like we said in the beginning where people who are 
are newer are coming to the lifestyle with a higher expectation or interest in in the sexual side of things and then as they grow and mature in the lifestyle while you know sex is great sex is fun i'm gonna sound like george michael singing his song sex but once again you don't want to hear me sing uh, but it's slowly we slowly learn as we grow in the lifestyle that while sex is amazing there's so much more to it that is beyond amazing other than you know just the the kinky bow chicka wow wow and while i'm not endorsing these and i'm not saying they're good in fact as they portray the lifestyle they are very wrong but please remember these were works of fiction and we have the whole 50 shades thing that happened not too long ago i mean it is in the history books now but it wasn't too long ago that these movies were packing theaters around the world and the beauty of it not what the content of the movies were because that was very wrong and 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 very very wrong on how the lifestyle was presented and so let's not focus on that but let's focus on the amazing thing that these movies did they made it acceptable to be involved in the lifestyle here's these hollywood blockbusters in books that are selling millions and millions and millions of copies and millions of people are going to see them and well yes there are people that went to see them and then were like oh no way but somehow they were interested so the whole 50 shades phenomenon and the erotic written fiction that's out there that has grown in popularity while all these are fiction and any work of fiction is definitely going to distort reality to put it mildly um, they are going to bring new faces and bring more people to the lifestyle and yes there is education that we as a community need to do when we do run into somebody who is new but we should be thankful for the the success of the 50 shades um series i guess we could call it because it has brought acceptance more acceptance from the mainstream people it has brought more people to the lifestyle to look around it's not nearly as taboo and in fact you know there might even be a little little bit of coolness at the at the nerdy bdsm table now because of 50 shades so yeah I think the Fifty Shades thing we need to look at as an overall positive rather than than a negative. Um, I know some people struggle with that, but I think we need to look at that as a positive because it did and does continue to bring more people in and make it more socially acceptable in the vanilla world to be kinky. So I think that's a beautiful thing. So I'm curious, and I would love to hear these if you are willing to share. Um, no matter where you listen to the podcast, you can send feedback. And I would love it if people shared their their origin stories. How did you discover kink? What was it? You know, was when you kind of discovered it, was it a feeling like, oh, th- this has been with me all the time. I just didn't know what it was. Or was there a specific incident or a specific thing that sort of became your draw? Maybe you, maybe you came from a, you know, a high-pressure religious background and and somehow as you 
learn to navigate life without that, you found kink and you found that it, it fit your life and lifestyle because of this background. So I would love to hear hear your origin stories if, if you're willing to share them. I know they're very personal. And so that, once again, the beautiful thing about the Internet is that the anonymity is there. So no one will know who you really are. And so on that note, I look forward to chatting with you again next week. And with the March Madness basketball tournament going on, I really hope that if any of you are involved in any any pools or gambling on it, that your brackets are not busted. You're still in the, the running for the big prizes at the end. And don't forget to click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And for next week's podcast, a little teaser, we're going to talk about green flags in the lifestyle. So often we talk about red flags, things to look out for, be careful of this, be careful of that. We never talk about green flags. You know, the when you see them, this is a great sign. So next week we're going to talk about green flags and, you know, the glorious green flags of the lifestyle. So don't forget to click that follow button so you don't miss that episode. And let's make the rest of this week amazing. And I look forward to chatting with you next week and dropping the green flag on the lifestyle. <laughs>